Section fourteen of the Mabinocion, Volume One, translated by Lady Charlotte Guest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Geeson. Section fourteen. After this, they saw a troop coming towards the ford. Ithauk inquired Ronabui, to whom does yonder troop belong? They are the fellows of Rhivaun Pebir, the son of Prince Deorthach, and these men are honourably served with mead and braget, and are freely beloved by the daughters of the kings of the island of Britain. And this they merit, for they were ever in the front and the rear in every peril and he saw but one hue upon the men and the horses of this troop for they were all as red as blood and when one of the knights rode forth from the troop he looked like a pillar of fire glancing athwart the sky and this troop encamped above the ford then they beheld another troop coming towards the ford and these from their horses chests upwards were whiter than the lily and below blacker than jet and they saw one of these knights go before the rest and spur his horse into the ford in such a manner that the water dashed over arthur and the bishop and those holding counsel with them so that they were as wet as if they had been drenched in the river and as he turned the head of his horse the youth who stood before arthur struck the horse over the nostrils with his sheathed sword so that had it been with the bare blade it would have been a marvel if the bone had not been wounded as well as the flesh and the knight drew his sword half out of the scabbard and asked of him wherefore didst thou strike my horse whether it was in insult or in counsel unto me thou dost indeed lack counsel what madness caused thee to ride so furiously as to dash the water of the ford over arthur and the consecrated bishop and their counsellors so that they were as wet as if they had been dragged out of the river as counsel then will i take it so he turned his horse's head round towards his army Ithauk, said Ronabwi, who was yonder knight the most eloquent and the wisest youth that is in this island adown the son of taliesin who was the man that struck his horse a youth of froward nature elfin the son of gwydno then spake a tall and stately man of noble and flowing speech saying that it was a marvel that so vast a host should be assembled in so narrow a space and that it was a still greater marvel that those should be there at that time who had promised to be by midday in the battle of badon fighting with whether thou mayest choose to proceed or not i will proceed 
thou sayest well said arthur and we will all go together Ithauk, said Rhonabwy, who was the man who spoke so marvellously unto arthur erewhile a man who may speak as boldly as he listeth caradauk frechfras the son of llyrmalini his chief counsellor and his cousin then iddauk took rhonabwy behind him on his horse and that mighty host moved forward each troop in its order towards Kevendigol. and when they came to the middle of the ford of the seven iddauk turned his horse's head and rhonabwy looked along the valley of the seven and he beheld two fair troops coming towards the ford one troop there came of brilliant white whereof every one of the men had a scarf of white satin with jet-black borders and the knees and the tops of the shoulders of their horses were jet-black though they were of a pure white in every other part and their banners were pure white with black points to them all Ithauk, said Ronabwy, who are yonder pure white troop they are the men of norway and march the son of merchion is their prince and he is cousin unto arthur and further on he saw a troop whereof each man wore garments of jet black with borders of pure white to every scarf and the tops of the shoulders and the knees of their horses were pure white and their banners were jet black with pure white at the points of each Ithauk, said rhonabwy who are the jet black troop yonder they are the men of denmark and edirn the son of nith is their prince and when they had overtaken the host arthur and his army of mighty ones dismounted below caerbaddon and he perceived that he and iddauk journeyed the same road as arthur and after they had dismounted he heard a great tumult and confusion among the host and such as were then at the flanks turned to the centre and such as had been in the centre moved to the flanks and then behold he saw a knight coming clad both he and his horse in mail of which the rings were whiter than the whitest lily and the rivets redder than the ruddiest blood and he rode among the host Ithauk, said rhonabwy will yonder host flee king arthur never fled and if this discourse of thine were heard thou wert a lost man but as to the knight whom thou seest yonder it is kai the fairest horseman is kai in all arthur's court and the men who are at the front of the army hasten to the rear to see kai ride and the men who are in the centre flee to the side from the shock of his horse and this is the cause of the confusion of the host thereupon they heard a call made for cadur earl of cornwall 
and behold he arose with the sword of arthur in his hand and the similitude of two serpents was upon the sword in gold and when the sword was drawn from its scabbard it seemed as if two flames of fire burst forth from the jaws of the serpents and then so wonderful was the sword that it was hard for any one to look upon it and the host became still and the tumult ceased and the earl returned to the tent Ithauk, said ronabwy who is the man who bore the sword of arthur cadur the earl of cornwall whose duty is to arm the king on the days of battle and warfare and they heard a call made for eranwich amhebin arthur's servant a red rough ill-favoured man having red whiskers with bristly hairs and behold he came upon a tall red horse with the mane parted on each side and he brought with him a large and beautiful sumpter pack and the huge red youth dismounted before arthur and he drew a golden chair out of the pack and a carpet of diapered satin and he spread the carpet before arthur and there was an apple of ruddy gold at each corner thereof and he placed the chair upon the carpet and so large was the chair that three armed warriors might have sat therein gwen was the name of the carpet and it was one of its properties that whoever was upon it no one could see him and he could see every one and it would retain no colour but its own and arthur sat within the carpet and owain the son of irien was standing before him owain said arthur wilt thou play chess i will lord said owain and the red youth brought the chess for arthur and owain golden pieces and a board of silver and they began to play and while they were thus and when they were best amused with their game behold they saw a white tent with a red canopy and the figure of a jet-black serpent on top of the tent and red glaring venomous eyes in the head of the serpent and a red flaming tongue and there came a young page with yellow curling hair and blue eyes and a newly springing beard wearing a coat and a surcoat of yellow satin and hose of thin greenish yellow cloth upon his feet and over his hose shoes of parti-coloured leather fastened at the insteps with golden clasps and he bore a heavy three-edged sword with a golden hilt in a scabbard of black leather tipped with fine gold and he came to the place where the emperor and owain were playing at chess and the youth saluted owain and owain marvelled that the youth should salute him and should not have saluted the emperor arthur and arthur knew what was in owain's thought 
and he said to owain marvel not that the youth salutes thee now for he saluted me erewhile and it is unto thee that his errand is then said the youth unto owain lord is it with thy leave that the young pages and attendants of the emperor harass and torment and worry the ravens and if it be not with thy leave cause the emperor to forbid them lord said owain thou hearest what the youth says if it seem good to thee forbid them from my ravens play thy game said he then the youth returned to the tent that game did they finish and another they began and when they were in the midst of the game behold a ruddy young man with auburn curling hair and large eyes well grown and having his beard new shorn came forth from a bright yellow tent upon the summit of which was the figure of a bright red lion and he was clad in a coat of yellow satin falling as low as the small of his leg and embroidered with threads of red silk and on his feet were hose of fine white buckram and buskins of black leather were over his hose whereon were golden clasps and in his hand a huge heavy three-edged sword with a scabbard of red deer-hide tipped with gold and he came to the place where arthur and owain were playing at chess and he saluted him and owain was troubled at his salutation but arthur minded it no more than before and the youth said unto owain is it not against thy will that the attendants of the emperor harass thy ravens killing some and worrying others if against thy will it be beseech him to forbid them lord said owain forbid thy men if it seem good to thee play thy game said the emperor and the youth returned to the tent and that game was ended and another begun and as they were beginning the first move of the game they beheld at a small distance from them a tent speckled yellow the largest ever seen and the figure of an eagle of gold upon it and a precious stone on the eagle's head and coming out of the tent they saw a youth with thick yellow hair upon his head fair and comely and a scarf of blue satin upon him and a brooch of gold in the scarf upon his right shoulder as large as a warrior's middle finger and upon his feet were hose of fine totness and shoes of party-coloured leather clasped with gold and the youth was of noble bearing fair of face with ruddy cheeks and large hawk's eyes in the hand of the youth was a mighty lance speckled yellow with a newly sharpened head and upon the lance a banner displayed fiercely angry and with rapid pace came the youth to the place where arthur was playing at chess with owain 
and they perceived that he was wroth and thereupon he saluted owain and told him that his ravens had been killed the chief part of them and that such of them as were not slain were so wounded and bruised that not one of them could raise its wings a single fathom above the earth lord said owain forbid thy men play said he if it please thee then said owain to the youth go back and wherever thou findest the strife at the thickest there lift up the banner and let come what pleases heaven so the youth returned back to the place where the strife bore hardest upon the ravens and he lifted up the banner and as he did so they all rose up in the air wrathful and fierce and high of spirit clapping their wings in the wind and shaking off the weariness that was upon them and recovering their energy and courage furiously and with exultation did they with one sweep descend upon the heads of the men who had erewhile caused them anger and pain and damage and they seized some by the heads and others by the eyes and some by the ears and others by the arms and carried them up into the air and in the air there was a mighty tumult with the flapping of the wings of the triumphant ravens and with their croaking and there was another mighty tumult with the groaning of the men that were being torn and wounded and some of whom were slain end of section fourteen recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey